Love is in the air, everybody. It's just a couple days after Valentine's Day, and what better to talk about than love? Especially when the people doing the talking are three single white guys. We're experts. Why does our race matter? (laughs) This week we're talking about our top ten favorite romantic comedies, and I think... Before we get into the list making, we have to define romantic comedy. Personally, I think a romantic comedy is a movie that is about love or a relationship, but it's funny. Does anyone, anyone have a beef with that? Not um, really. It's funny, I wait for someone to talk and then I accidentally talk at the same time. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, I agree. That sounds like a romantic comedy to me. Well, great. Well, since we got that out of the way, let's go down the list. First up is The 40-Year-Old Virgin. 40 years old and a virgin. (laughs) First of the, like, Apatow comedies, right? Yeah. He wasn't... He wasn't Wedding Crashers, was he? No, Judd Apatow did not. I don't think he had any part of Wedding Crashers. Good. I would have no part in this. That's what he said. Probably. And who put that on the list? Uh, must have been me, because no one else is fessing up to it. <laughs> well, uh, uh, sorry. I like 40-Year-Old Virgin quite a bit. I, I compiled a, a top ten list, and Forty Year Old Virgin actually sneaked in there, so I would put it on. Okay. I probably I don't know. It's tough. It's tough when you're thinking of like when I think of this list, it's got to be the ten like best, at least the best that we've seen. It's pretty good. But I'm undecided. I'm on the fence on this one right now. Well, I like that it's kind of different. It's not the two young, beautiful people love story. It's it's a unique problem as far as film is concerned. I mean, I can't think of any... I guess there are lots of movies where you're like a high, a high school kid trying to lose your virginity. But... Uh, being a forty-year-old man trying to do that is pretty funny. Yeah, and it's definitely it's definitely a nice spin on the, the whole kind of rom-com scenario, and it definitely stands out. It's definitely a lot funnier than most. It's funny because I remember when this movie like first came out and no one saw it, and it's like, oh my god, it looks so terrible. Because Steve Carell really he wasn't, he wasn't really a star back then, but then it just it was a surprise, and it just kind of came up and. It's definitely a contender. I'm just... I'm I mean, thinking. I, th- I think you could... 
complain about I mean, just for this list you could say uh the central relationship doesn't come into the movie for a while. And you know, he spends a lot of time just trying to get laid in in different ways. It's not yeah. strictly a relationship movie. Wikipedia describes it as a buddy comedy film. Yeah. He's got buddies. He spends a lot of time with those friends, co-workers. But yeah, I'd definitely say it's romantic comedy. I just, I'm just not sure yet. It's, I wish we didn't have to start out with this one. All right. Well, let's just leave it where it is and move on and, and see what happens. Uh, next on the list is 500 Days of Summer. Uh, I put that on because I, well, I, when we first, I don't know, came up with this idea to do this list, I, I assumed it'd be like all the classics, and then I saw that you put some more recent ones, so then I decided, hey, this was probably one of my favorite romantic comedies of the last couple of years. Why don't I throw it on there uh, just for fun? And I really think it does stand out. I love the idea that it's done out of sequence. It's kind of a stylish spin on a I guess a pretty tired concept, but I think there's lots of, uh, well, I don't know. I guess like I was just saying, there's lots of style. There's lots of new little twists and turns they put on it. And I like the cast and yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. My beef with 500 days of summer was, it was, well, besides the fact that you and me went to it and it turned out to be like this weird date for us. It was really weird. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Me and Sean go in, there's all these couples, and then me and Sean sit next to each other, and it really did feel weird. It's like, we're not supposed to be here right now. <laughs> That's good. But I, to me, this this movie felt a little more, like it was, it was more style than substance. Like, it was trying too hard to be different? Yeah. Like, uh, I, like... I never really got into the Zoe Deschanel character. I mean, sure, she's really pretty and quirky, um, but I didn't really understand her and her motivations. She was kind of hard to read. You never really knew where she stood. But maybe that's one reason I kind of like it, is because he doesn't like understand in a way like why this kind of unraveled like it did. Yeah. Justin Gordon-Levitt. But everyone, I think, I mean, we can all agree, I hope, that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is pretty good in this, and that he's pretty much always pretty good, and yeah. everyone can get behind him. Yeah. You know, I'd like to meet a man who doesn't like him, so I can be like, let's go watch Third Rock in the Sun. Well, there are people out there. Just like people who don't like Will Smith. That's probably a lot more than you think. I love Will Smith. But I've never seen Hitch. Which is one of the highest grossing romantic comedies of all time. <laughs> they still have a giant poster up at the Ellensburg Theater. It's been up there for about six years. Colin, what do you think about 500 Days of Summer? I like it. I wouldn't rank it among the best romantic comedies. I guess the thing is, I'm thinking I don't... In that movie, I didn't really care if the two of them stayed together. I just didn't have a ton invested in their relationship, even though it is a clever film. It's got 
the characters are fine, and I don't know. I wouldn't put it on the list, but I, I still think it's a good film. That's kind of an interesting point. It does kind of seem like for some reason when you watch that movie, it's like you don't really care if they end up. When some of these movies are like, oh, man, I hope that they end up together. That'd be so awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> I don't know if any guy watches a movie like that. But no, I think it, it doesn't seem like love. It seems like infatuation and, you know, a crush. Yeah, it does. I, th- I think that's, that's a good point. And that, yeah, that's kind of something I look for in these films is actually having something sort of emotionally invested in the, the two romantic leads, I suppose. Okay. I'm bumping it. That's fine. But it's a good film. Good movie. Annie Hall is another great movie. Perhaps. I, I can't see this. I can't see Annie Hall not making the list. It's pretty much a given. It's kind of like... So. It's like the Star Wars of romantic comedies. <laughs> if, uh, like, Tony Roberts is Han Solo. The Citizen Kane of... You know, I could just keep... The Holy Bible of... It, it kind of wrote the book on what a romantic comedy is today, in a way, though it's still so unique when you watch it today. Yeah, I think it ushered in the era of sort of what modern romances are on screen, basically. Just because it was so so much more insightful than anything else you'd seen up to then. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Apartment. Yeah, another film I love very much, so I, I would have to put it on this list. I saw it for the first time this weekend. <laughs> wow. I got prepared for this. I liked it. I didn't like it as quite as much as I thought I would, I guess because, I don't know, there's a lot going in, you know. This movie, you know, one best picture. Uh, maybe I had my expectations really, really high. I still really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really, really into the relationship, but I did genuinely like it. I mean, I'll I'll admit that the first time I didn't see it, I I wasn't quite as gung-ho about it as I am now. But every time I see that movie, I just love it even more. Something about it. Speaking to our criticism of 500 Days of Summer, in the apartment, you really want these two to get together, even when they don't really realize it. Uh, this one really delivers on on both the romantic and the comedy half of the equation. It it certainly it certainly does. I like watching him make the pasta with like a tennis racket. <laughs> yeah. Da-da-da. Oh yeah, that was the movie that made me realize that like Bugs Bunny is totally doing Jack Lemmon, or maybe the other way around. Mm. All right, here's the first that I haven't seen before sunrise, before sunset. Yeah, I, I really like these movies. My only thing is I don't know if I would necessarily consider them comedies. I mean, there's definitely probably some funny dialogue in there. I don't know. I haven't seen either of them in at least like four or five years, but I'm a big fan. Oh, what? I think that's John's roommate chiming in. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Oh, sorry, 
But uh, I saw this before sunrise. I haven't seen before sunset a while back. And it's certainly romantic, and the characters have a great chemistry, and I love the dialogue. But I think I'd agree with – I'm not entirely sure it qualifies as a comedy. It's kind of like – I mean, I feel like there's just as much drama as there is comedy. It's like a semi-dramatic, like, character study. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like life, you know? (laughs) Life is funny, but it's – I wouldn't say life is a comedy. So, I mean, I'm going to agree it's a great romance film, but I wouldn't categorize it as a romantic comedy. It's like a – it's a dramedy, and I say there is a difference in that. Like, that's the reason I didn't include another film I like that's a romantic film. It's Punch Drunk Love. Because I don't think it entirely qualifies as comedy, even though there's funny parts in it. I just think it it tilts a little towards a different <laughs> subgenre. Yeah, it's the same. Like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind has some pretty funny scenes too, but that's not. I wouldn't call that a comedy. Yeah, that's what I thought about too. I wasn't sure. And one that I put on this list that I'm not even that sure about is The Princess Bride. Because, I mean, they make it very clear that that is a love story, but there's a lot of action. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. Fine. Got it. I didn't... Okay. So, uh, are we bumping before sunrise and sunset? I guess. Good but, film. Uh, good film, though. Or at least, I assume the other one's good, too. It's maybe better, or at least just as good. Check it out. Bringing up baby. I wanted to make sure we hit on most of the classics. You know, I don't even know how we'll end up, but uh, I at least wanted to touch on this film. Huh? I'm not sure if it even if it'd be in my top right. ten. Um, I just I saw it recently, and uh, I love the chemistry between the characters, right. and I love the premise. Sean, have you seen this film, or you know the premise or anything? I don't know anything about this. <clears throat> That it's Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant, and they have like a leopard, and his name's Baby. No, they do not have sex with it. What that would have been? That's what they do with the dudes. Yeah, splice too. <laughs> this movie's almost too nutty. This is like this is screwball. This is like if there ever was one. Yeah, I've seen quite a bit of screwball comedies, and this is probably the screwiest. It's just like a series of madcap situations that just kind of escalates. I don't know. It's not even that much. Hepburn is just crazy. Basically. She's just playing an insane person. (laughs) I mean, I don't don't know if at the end I would even believe that the two of them would be together. It's just that they kind of are, but I don't know. But yeah. So what do you think, Colin? Do you think this is a Want to consider for the list? Uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, there are Howard Hawks uh, screwball comedies I probably like more. I probably like His Girl Friday a little bit more. Yeah. I didn't even put it on the list, but I uh, consider bringing up Baby again. Yes. Right, girl- that also has Cary Grant, doesn't yeah. it? And yeah, that's because I almost put on Philadelphia Story here, of course. Just because it's, it's a classic, it's but a good one too. <laughs> but I didn't think it was funny enough. Personally, because you drive like crazy, crazy. I don't know, but that's a good movie too. 
Cary Grant. Why he's he like that? that's he, why your brakes are bad in your car. Sorry about it. He's uh, Cary Grant. He's uh, he's damn charming though. <laughs> I'll give him that. Okay. Well, I'm leaving it there for now. City lights. I, like so I want to put that on there, even though I haven't seen it in forever. I can beat you on that. I haven't seen it in ever. <laughs> I saw it like a year or two ago. I I really like City Lights a lot, and I'm not the hugest Charlie Chaplin fan, but that's the one of the few that I've seen that I I, I really love, and I I definitely put it on the list. I just have this like itch in my back and my throat. <laughs> Well, like <laughs> an itch, uh, but uh, yeah, I love Chaplin. I don't. Yeah, I think in to me, he's the king like right of now. all comedy. But I've been playing basketball, and so I'm always going to push for him. Why? Who's your favorite comedian? Who would you categorize as the king of comedy? I don't know. Of uh, all film. Okay, fine. If we're gonna make that kind of statement, yes, Chaplin has had a huge influence. <laughs> I just personally. I'm more of a Buster Keaton yeah, kind of guy. Buster Keaton. He's, I don't know. He's a genius. He's good, all right. He's. A, I think he's a better stuntman than comedian. Well, I like his his shtick, stone face. It's nice, but the tramp. That to me. Okay, I'm getting off track here. This is a discussion for another <laughs> podcast. Man. Yeah, one where I'm not there. Yeah. Face off through people we like. Okay. Is City Lights a, um, a go? Is it a sure thing or is it a maybe? It's a sure thing for me. You guys haven't uh, seen it in a long time. So. I have. I, I want to say it's a sure thing. Okay. They're supposed to Forgetting me. Sarah Marshall. Well, then you can go in there. Like Nancy's favorite movie of all time. <laughs> is this uh, true? Well, no. His favorite movie of all time is probably one of the Star Wars. Episode 3, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're breaking my heart. I feel like he said he likes Episode 3 better than A New Hope, which I don't even know what to say to that. Hey, hey. Yeah? Let's not, let's not put words in his mouth. Okay. If he's going to make... A bizarre claim like that. He's got to do it himself. <laughs> All right, so I assume you put this on here, Sean. I did, but I'm, you know... Let, uh, you should ask your mom... Forgetting Sarah Marshall hasn't aged well in my brain. I, I haven't I haven't <laughs> gone back and watched it for a few a years. But I, I feel like Get Him to the Greek kind of soured me on the uh, Alba Snow character. Um. You didn't like that movie? I thought Getting to the Greek was okay, but I don't know. I didn't think that character should have had another movie. Okay. But Forgetting Sarah Marshall is kind of a big deal in the modern comedy film landscape. I mean... And some of her cabbie shit. Is it? Set the hilarious male nudity precedent, at least. <laughs> I don't know that it's that much of a trailblazer. I like it fine, but I mean, if we if we would consider putting an Apatow comedy, uh, I would put Forty Year Old Virgin over Forgetting Sarah Marshall. All right, and there's one more of those on this list. 
if we can really get into it in a bit. Apparently, I'm not allowed to skip down the list. Nope. Um, the rules. So my favorite movie of all time is Lost in Translation, and I, that one's probably not comedy enough for this list. But if I have a second favorite movie, it's probably Groundhog Day, and I think that totally qualifies. You know, it's funny. I didn't think about it till I saw it on this list. I'm like, you know what? I guess that is because I was under. I was thinking, Sean, I've mean, seen it like eight million times. But I was thinking, well, well, it's a movie about this guy who has to relive, you know, his day, you know, every day, and he has to get it right. But what gets him through those days? Like, what's his goal? It's it's the romance. It's you know that kind of pushes him through. And uh, I also sometimes say that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's, I was su- it's my favorite. I was surprised that I was the one who put this on the list. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not as in love with that film as you guys are, even though I like it a lot. I guess <laughs> it just isn't one of my favorite films of all time, which is a pretty, pretty high standard. Well, you know, when when I made the list, I just threw up like a bunch of Apatow and Woody Allen movies <laughs> and left it to you guys to take care of the rest. I see. I mean, I, I told you that was a dumb idea. Okay. Well. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry, sorry you guys. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I would include Groundhog Day on this list. I mean, I don't know. I, it still feels like it's a, it's a, it, it, it encapsulates a lot of genres, but I guess mostly it is it is a romantic comedy. I don't know. Why'd you even get the fish in the first place? Yeah, don't get the fish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm leaving it in this column. Let, let's just keep going. Uh, Hannah and her sisters, maybe. Maybe not enough of the romantic. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a romantic comedy. I really, really like that film, but... Yeah. My favorite I mean, part ro- of it is Woody Allen, and he's not trying to romance anyone. Yeah, the big romance is Michael Caine having an extramarital affair. That's not romantic. Well, oh, it kind of is. Yeah. In a weird Woody Allen kind of way. Yeah, I, lo- I love that he has the affair and then immediately... Regrets it. Probably feed it to and something I feel about most of these films, I feel like a romantic comedy has to have some element of whimsy to it a little bit. Huh? Like uh, like Annie Hall or I will get to another Hi. Woody Allen one later. Just those kind of memorable romantic scenes. I don't feel like this one has that one. It's more kind of like feels a little more real. When I feel like romantic comedies have a little element of oh. fantasy in the romance. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Miss, I'm missing Nancy right now. <laughs> so many sound effects. <laughs> okay, sometimes my dog barks loud enough that it sets off the doorbell. I don't, I don't know what's so weird about that. Okay, uh, Harold and Moth. Both of them together. I wouldn't have it any other way. I really like Harold and Moth. Do you love Harold and Moth? I, I, I guess I could say that I love Harold and Moth. <laughs> I think it's creepy. Oh, yeah? I find both of the characters... I like the movie. 
But I still kind find of. both of the characters off-putting. Not like your own piss. Like I know. Your own dirt. All dirt. Body all the fuck is he <laughs> Off-putting. Not like your own piss. <laughs> okay, so Colin, can you t- tell me about it? Still. Yeah, I just think the oddball romance works for me. I love the dark comedy. I love all the existential stuff. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're strange characters, but I don't know. It's just my kind of oddball romance. and I don't know. I feel like most people generally like that movie a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I agree with most of what you're saying. I just... I, I assume there's not many people that get what I get. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. But there's just something about it where I find it just a little – I mean I think – I guess it is supposed to be creepy to some extent. I mean he is all about suicide, those things, but – Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it unintentionally rubbed me the wrong way. Well, that's kind of the nature of dark comedy though. It's going to either work for you or you're going to find it off-putting. I suppose that's true. Like uh, that uh, that Robin Williams movie a few years ago, "World's Greatest Dad." Was that what it's called? Oh, that was really dark. Yeah, and you you really liked that. I thought I did. I liked the fact that it was really dark. Yeah, and I found that off putting. I I couldn't get into it as much as you did. I knew. Yeah, I knew some people who hated it because of the the big twist in that. Just because they're like, I feel like it was especially parents because they could kind of identify like what if that happened to me i don't know i found that pretty funny there's other parts i found really awkward well i don't know if, i can't say i don't think harold and Maude is quite that dark but it's not that dark. Uh, that dark yeah <laughs> it's, there's some very sweet moments in it but uh, i don't know what to say i like it john not as much well let's just keep a it maybe. around yeah, let's keep it around for now. See what happens. All right. All right. A high fidelity. You know, if it wasn't for high fidelity, top ten list or top five list wouldn't be as cool. I'm having trouble recalling, even though we all watched it together not that long ago, recalling what the main relationship was. He's talking about a lot of relationships, right? Was there one central one? Yeah. yeah. I'm so – it's, it's amazing that I've like forgotten all of that. I just remember all the funny parts of it. Well, this is- I really like it. And if you, I mean if what I can remember it barely. And if, uh, if you guys say it should be here, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. Well, remember it starts out like he's been dumped and he's trying to understand why he was dumped. And then he uh, gets back together. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, it's kind of on the periphery of of the plot. Because he spends so much time alone and dealing with just himself and trying to understand his situation. But this is still a movie about a relationship. Yeah, it has so much to do with relationships and how they affect people that I... Even outside of the main romantic relationship, I feel like it's still very much romantic comedy. Any way you slice it. 
and a damn good one. Okay. So I, I I'm pretty sure you like the film just as much as I do, if not more. Mm, probably. It happened one night. I watched this for the first time this weekend. I watched it for the second time yesterday. And I I'm never watched it. Wow. I just saw it on like Google Video or something. I don't know if a movie's from the 30s. If it just okay, it. it I mean, who's going to go after that? We'll just put it up on the internet. You know, <laughs> everyone associated with that movie's dead. But I was amazed that a movie that old was still so funny and just so captivating. It's I I feel like now it may be like the funniest movie I've ever seen that won Best Picture. I don't know. I've obviously I haven't seen them all, but this is. Let me look this up. This is the leg one, right? It does. <laughs> yes, let's have that scene. Do you want a little summary here, Sean? Yeah. Okay, so Claude Colbert is kind of like this stuck-up bitch socialite. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Nah, she's a bitch. I disagree. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm just being colored. <laughs> well, anyways, her father, like, she's she was she's like ma- was gonna marry this King Wesley guy, but her father like annulled the marriage, and so she runs away. She like jumps off of their boat, and she's gonna travel to New York City to uh, reunite with him. And then along the well, she's going undercover, of course, you know, she does because she's this famous kind of Harris. And on the way, she meets uh, Clark Gable, who's this journalist, who this wise-ass journalist, who seems like he's really drunk early on. He does walk out of the phone booth in that first scene with a, with a drink, though. He's getting fired, so. But anyways, they meet up on a bus, and um, they get kind of drawn together in this kind of funny way. And it, it 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 made me realize that there's this kind of dynamic that I really like in a lot of romantic comedies. I like the ones where the guy is kind of a wise ass, and the the woman's kind of stuck up in a way. And then together they both kind of learn from each other to some extent. It's like the Taming of the Shrew kind of. Yeah, and there's just so much going on here with great secondary characters and jokes and memorable scenes. It's just a whole grab bag of great ideas, and I really liked it a lot. All I can say about it is I saw some scenes, now that I'm sure that it was that movie, I saw some scenes in in a a film class once, and I thought they were pretty funny. I don't don't know if it was that romantic. And there were several scenes in this movie that were used for the basis of Bugs Bunny. Fucking bugs, funny stealing for everybody. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a scene where Clark Gable's eating a carrot, in the way that Bugs Bunny eats carrots, like a raw carrot. And there's this other scene where he's talking to this hilarious character, Mister Shapely, um, about <laughs> he's making up this story about this gangster, and he's, he says his name is Bugs. What the fuck? I know. Just oh. trying to earn that explicit rating on iTunes. Yeah, I, I really like that movie. After seeing it a second time, it was still as good as I thought it was in my memory. I'm surprised. I didn't know that it was uh, it was made before the Hayes Code came into effect. So uh, I, I was surprised by how 
it's a pretty risque ending for its time. Seriously, they take down the what did they call it? They had a name. The walls for of Jericho come crumbling down. <laughs> See, Sean, they put this this sheet between them when they're in the same room and they're you know going to bed and stuff, and they take it down at the end. <laughs> of course, like you're saying earlier, it's got the classic leg scene. <laughs> I didn't know that like had like an origin in film. Like I just figured that was a real thing. <laughs> Ladies just did that. Ladies just did that. It's that's how it's always been. <laughs> but no, I mean, I guess it, it came from here. And I haven't seen all of uh, Frank Capra's films, but I feel like in the ones I have seen, he usually does have a lot of good secondary characters, right? Doesn't he usually? Yeah, definitely. Because It's a Wonderful Life had a lot of great characters, and there's a lot of like, like I mentioned, Mister Shapley. And I love the the bus driver who just seems to go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He said, like, everything Clark Gable says. Did you say the guy she left is called King? King Wesley. Well, no, she didn't. Her father, like, annulled their marriage. I don't know how that's how that works. How does a – she's an adult, right? I'm not going to get into – I don't know. That leg she has is pretty adult. To 1930s. Marital laws. Marital <laughs> laws. But somehow her father's like, no. But she's like, I'm going to see him anyways. Then she meets Clark Gable. He's like, yeah. This guy's got big ears. All right. Uh, Jeremy McGuire. Um, I added that once I realized we did not have any mention of Cameron Crowe on, on this whole thing. And I felt like it was weird. I mean, of course, Say Anything is probably the, his best romantic film, but I guess that's, that's probably more of a drama, you'd think, right? Yeah, I, I thought about that one, and yeah, I, I yeah. considered it more of a drama. Yeah, and then I like singles a lot, but then I probably, Jeremy Gar is probably my favorite Cameron Crowe film. I think it is a little schmaltzy. I think most Tom Cruise movies are, for some reason, they're just something he brings to performances. <laughs> like, he's unintentionally phony in a way. <laughs> but there's nothing funny about the way he runs though. <laughs> that's full throttle I, amen to that <laughs> but I think and maybe someone would have been better in the lead role I still like him but I think this has like some of the best romantic dialogue obviously that last kind of sequence with him and Renee Zellweger though that's, that shit is um, quoted all the time you know the you complete me and you had me at hello. And and I, I do think those are good lines. There's a lot of good lines in that movie. Damn, that's a good script. I love black people. <laughs> I love black people. It's my favorite. I guess maybe the argument there is that I've also heard Jeremy McGarvey called us mostly a sports film before. I feel like it was on AFI's list for sports yeah. films. Hmm. So maybe you could argue that it's kind of like about a lot of things. But I think primarily – it's a romantic comedy. It's it's about him and Renee Zellweger. I mean, of course, it's also about him kind of like, you know, his manifesto and coming into who he really should be and everything. Yeah, I don't know. With that film, I always find myself more interested in the Cuba Gooding Jr. stuff more than the Renee Zellweger stuff. I don't know if it's just because I can't stand Renee Zellweger, but I... You know. Really? Why? Because why? she does the scrunchy face thing? Yeah, I just find her really irritating. I don't, I, I don't mind Renee Zellweger. I, it's weird. I'm, I like the movie a lot, but I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I like the romantic aspect the best. 
even though I think Tom Cruise, there's something about him in this in all his movies. He's I feel like he's just playing Tom Cruise. He's not playing Jerry Maguire. <laughs> but I think this is the best Tom Cruise performance playing Tom Cruise. Mm, I'm not with you on that at all. <laughs> Have you seen Legend? Ridley Scott's Legend. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> That's a fantasy film, bro. I mean, has he, he just has a big dumb smile on his face that whole movie. <laughs> he really nails the Tom Cruise. Um, but Jerry Maguire, I think I, I probably side with the sports film people in that even if, like, that's probably not actually the what you would, if you were a completely unbiased party, that's probably what you wouldn't classify the movie as. But the, the I like his interactions with Cuba way more. And, and I, you know, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is uh, when Cuba Gooding Jr. has, you know, his, his big play and he celebrates. Like, that's... That's the climax for me. I don't really give a shit about the you complete me part. Wait, wait, wait. You don't even give a shit? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't I would not just mind. I wouldn't mind if you said, like, oh, you know, it's a good scene, but you don't give a shit about it. I feel like that's the, the best thing about the whole movie is the end. Fine. I'll give it shit. But not a lot. Not a lot of my shit. I mean, obviously, I'm outnumbered on this one. I'm reserving my shit mainly for Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> You're rude. <laughs> well put. <laughs> but, all right, then. We can we can move on. I, I think we've said what we can say about it. Knocked up. And knocked down. This, this is where it starts getting tough for me with the Jet Apatow movies. I really like them, but... I don't know. Are they classics already? I guess they are. I just don't think it's romantic enough. You know, it's it's weird. It's, it's one of those real life movies. That I would say. Yeah, but what's really weird is I like it better than Forty Year Old Virgin. Yet I feel like I go with Forty Year Old Virgin for this list over Knocked Up. Because I don't. I think Knocked Up is very funny, but their relationship, like, it's not really that romantic. No, you're just kind of I mean, maybe I, I think that's kind of the fun of it is that these people don't really work for each other, but they're trying it anyways. And I suppose in that way, that's kind of a romantic concept. But they don't really like have chemistry or anything. I mean, I don't know. They have some, but you know, I don't think they're married by the time this is forty comes out. Probably not. Like, I, I, yeah. So it's a good comedy. But I don't know that it's a good it's it's a great romantic comedy. Yeah. The romance isn't that satisfying really. Like I love a lot of the other stuff uh, just as much or more or whatever him just hanging out with all his dumb friends. I feel like it's weird that Wikipedia, the always reliable Wikipedia, says that 40-year-old virgin is a buddy film but says this one is a romantic comedy. Which I feel like you could you should switch that. Yeah. Labels can be difficult. Even for online encyclopedias. Especially. But I think we all like this film, but I don't think it quite fits the category. I mean in, you, in the way these other films do. You don't really have to woo a woman 
into a relationship when you already have her knocked up. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Yeah. Just get in, get out. And, and the little dice move. Remember? <laughs> That's, That's all he's got. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't think it's gonna make it. Which, good comedy though. The one time I got to care about Katherine Heigl. Oh yeah, she's good shit now. <laughs> Manhattan, not made in Manhattan. Oh. <laughs> Do you know John Hughes wrote Made in Manhattan? <laughs> but, like, it was just, like, lying around, I feel like. Or no, maybe. <laughs> he, he had, like, the story. Someone else wrote Oh, not like he had a bunch of script pages just lying around, and he put them together. <laughs> <laughs> this like, is good. He puts them, he thought of them in, like, the, the right order. <laughs> it's just really weird that there was a movie with his name on it that came out in 2002. Um, but, no, I guess it technically is a story credit, so... But I'd, I'd almost be curious to see that movie to see how much, if there's anything in there like a John Hughes film. Jennifer Lopez and Rafe Fiennes. What a, a weird combination. <laughs> Voldemort. And... He's just too creepy now. He's yeah, played too many off. villains for me. I don't see him as anything else, but... Like, I, like his character in Bruges, like I imagine that's who he is. <laughs> you should watch like, Quiz Show. He kills people. I did see Quiz Show. Anyways, we were talking about that. No, we didn't even start. <laughs> I just said made, not made in Manhattan. <laughs> 1979. Woody Allen classic. I feel like for this list, it's basically which do we put on here, Annie Hall or Manhattan? Right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's got to be Annie Hall, but I haven't seen Manhattan in a while, which I've seen most of Woody's other, like, best films quite a few times, but I've only seen this once, like, five years ago. That's kind of my problem. Combined with the fact that when I saw it, I had, like, a Woody Allen orgy. I I was watching a whole bunch that weekend. Well, not that many. Lord. A couple, but I watched that the same day I watched Stardust Memories, and even though they're very different films in tone, they're both like they're both black and white, so I get them all blurred together. So I really don't remember a lot of Manhattan. It definitely has the whimsy I was talking about earlier, though. It's weird because if Annie Hall didn't exist, I feel like this would definitely make it. Yeah, hopefully. Too bad, Woody. I, I mean, especially for me, Annie Hall. I don't know. Manhattan makes me a little uncomfortable because he's dating a seventeen-year-old girl, and yeah. knowing what I know about his real life. Oh, soon ye. Yeah, I mean that's even that's even weirder than dating a seventeen-year-old girl. Art imitates life, and vice versa. Yeah, it's hard to get swept up in that romance, I think, a little bit. All right. Time to defend Overboy. Yeah, here we are. Okay. 
I was really hesitant to put this on because I know it would never make it in a million years. Have either of you guys seen it? No. No. Okay. Never so, once thought about <laughs> Okay. Now, this isn't the best received movie um, critically, but I dare you to put this on and not laugh. Okay. First, let me talk about Overboard a little bit. The premise of Overboard, um, very similar to, in a way, it happened one night in that it's about Goldie Hawn and she's this rich Harris type character and she f- jumps off or she falls off a boat and gets amnesia and then she ends up living with Kurt Russell. And the way that happens is he built a closet for her earlier on her, uh, in her private room on, her, on the ship. But he's like this kind of blue-collar, redneck guy. So he built this really hokey-looking thing, and she hates him for it. And he's like, God, what a bitch. So then later, <laughs> later he sees on the news that this woman doesn't know who she is. So he gets his friend to make these fake pictures of her of like as his wife. He has a wife, but he had a wife, but she's dead. So then he goes and says, oh, this is my wife. She can't remember anything. And then he takes her back to his house where he's these uh, three or four annoying kids – and he treats her like shit and makes her do chores and stuff. And uh, and hilarity ensues. And she can't remember anything. But what's great about this movie is the characters have great chemistry because Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have been in a real relationship for a long time. And like I was saying earlier, I love that dynamic of the wise-ass guy and then the kind of the more stuck-up character. And then they learn from each other. And there's a lot of good laughs. A lot of pokes, I guess, at blue-collar type people. It's set in Oregon, so I don't know how accurate it is to certain parts of Oregon. I mean, where, I, where I, are you taking a cruise that takes you by Oregon? Huh? What cruise takes you by Oregon? I don't know. Well, they just she has a yacht. I guess it's not a cruise. Did I say cruise? I meant yacht. I haven't seen it in a while, but I have seen it a lot of times. How much this, be be honest, how much this is because you have an unnatural love for Kurt Russell? Since when do I have an unnatural love for Kurt Russell? Since your entire life. I like one other Kurt Russell film a lot. That's it. I'm not a big fan. I like The Thing. Not a fan of Escape from New York? No, I think it's overrated. Fair enough. But this movie is pretty cheesy in a lot of ways. It's Gary Marshall, and I think you guys all know what he can be like when he's kind of hokey. Even like probably one of his most popular films, Pretty Woman, another good romantic comedy, is pretty hokey. So I just wanted to put that out there because it's my personal favorite. I have seen The Princess Diaries. I did not like that. Um, I, I, <laughs> two of us haven't seen it. You can take it off, Sean. I think I was saying. Okay. Um, so The Princess Bride, as I was trying to say earlier, <laughs> it's very clearly a love story. I mean, they... They say that in the opening scene, and the love story is is always present, and I I feel like the comedy is always 
present. But for some reason in my mind, I can't quite sell it as a romantic comedy. Yeah, I don't really remember the romance part of it very well. I've only seen this film like once or twice. Well, they, they, they say All true love, love a whole Pat lot of would be pissed. I feel like most people have seen this movie at least like 20 times, but I haven't. And all I, what I remember about it is the secondary characters more than some romance that apparently is at the center of it. There's a good romance in it. Story think, true love, Cole. God. I think that's Open your heart to love, Cole. <laughs> I think the problem with including Princess Bride is I feel like we start to get our genres a little blurred. This film is primarily a fantasy film. I mean, lots of films have some element of romance in it. I mean, Beauty and the Beast has romance in it, but I'm not going to say it's romantic. And it's funny, but I'm not going to say it's romantic comedy. I'd say that's also kind of a fantasy film. It's funny, it's romantic, but I don't feel like it's quite what we set up to do with this list. <laughs> I feel like it's straying a little bit. Okay. I found that because we basically already have ten movies and we've still got a bunch to go. Uh, Roman Holiday. Yes, Roman Holiday. Gotta have some, uh, some Audrey Hepburn. She's great. This is another one of those <laughs> princess kind of runs off and <laughs> heads to hang out with other guy. I really like Jumps those kind of, of movies. <laughs> Something about them. I don't know what it is. Actually, I, I, re- I, might, I might even like this I don't know. I might even like breakfast at Tiffany's more, but I feel like I probably like, do too. What I feel like, oh man, what do I use though to, you know, to to pick one over? And I always have I always think about Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's, <laughs> who plays the most racist character in film history. He has his own Wikipedia page. It just talks about how racist he is. Um, he's the this Japanese landlord, and he's got the book teeth and the makeup. And the, <laughs> I think it goes back to something we talked about last week with Jar Jar Binks is that a a crappy side character can't ruin a a film and that character doesn't ruin that film for me I still like it about Roman Holiday but were you saying you like Breakfast Tiffany's more? yeah why didn't we put that on there? no I like Sabrina I like, a lot too. I feel like Roman Holiday would make it on my it'd definitely make it on my top ten. Or I don't know. I'm really stuck here now. <laughs> Sean, why didn't you see this movie? God, I don't got time to watch movies anymore. You had your whole life. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> well, I own this on DVD, so I'll lend it to you sometime. I don't have Breakfast at Tiffany's though. We should, I should, we should have just put them together. There's something of, I don't know. Mm. We'll, we'll call on, on this list, what would you do with Roman Holiday? Would you put it on? I would put it on. I mean, I wouldn't have any great objection to putting it on. It's just, I didn't even think of this movie when it was this list. I just don't remember a lot of this film. I don't know. Breakfast with Tiffany just sticks out of my mind a little bit more as being kind of unique. At least I, I feel like Audrey Hepburn's character is a little, just a lot more interesting in Breakfast at Tiffany's. God, maybe we should put that on here because I think that may have one of my favorite scenes in a romantic 
comedy when they have the ring from the uh, the Cracker Jack box and they take it to Tiffany's and there's that guy who's inspecting it because they want to put like a diamond in it or something. Do you remember that? Yeah. And that that character they're taking to is hilarious. Like the guy's like, oh yes, well I can. Like he's taking it very seriously, despite <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> like we have a Cracker Jack ring. Can you do something with this? I'm like hmm, well, I don't know. That guy. I'm going to look up that guy on YouTube after this. That guy is hilarious. That's a Blake, Blake Edwards, right? Yeah. Film. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Man. This is, this is quite a pickle. I think I'll add it. Doing it right now. What are you doing? Are you hacking into the internet? Oh, there you go. Big time. All right. Well, let's scratch from a holiday, and let's keep breakfast at Tiffany's in the, in the in the maybe for now. Then, okay. Scoop it all. <laughs> uh, when Harry met Sally. I've, I've seen it. I have. To. I just uh, who put it on. Did you? Yeah, when no one else fesses up, it must have been me. I don't really remember. <laughs> See, that's why you gotta say something, Sean. You gotta defend it. Why did you, you know, why you put it on there? It just gives us <clears> a little... I don't know, it's, it's, in my mind, it's like the go-to romantic comedy. This is what I think of when I think of that genre. Uh, it's probably not, I probably don't like it enough for a top ten list, but it's a... You know, I I hate all these movies that come out now and are about people who are best friends and then for some reason they don't want to become romantically involved. Because I just don't see it. I don't understand what they're going through. But with When Harry Met Sally, that relationship makes sense to me. Every single scene of it. And it's a pretty iconic movie. I mean, if... It happened when night has the leg. This has the restaurant orgasm and and sitting having a conversation while everyone's doing the wave. <laughs> I you know I agree that it's definitely kind of like the modern go to. Like this is how you make one now, in a way. But I also I'm not sure if if I like it as much as I think some people def- like it. Yeah. I don't think I do either. Like, I definitely understand why it's so heralded and everything, why people are like, this is a great romantic comedy. And I think, you know, it's, it's totally romantic comedy. This is, like, you look, up, you look up romantic comedy in the dictionary, you have this in Annie Hall and the definition and this little picture of Rob Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just going to admit that I don't like it as much as some people do, but I do like it. Yeah, I don't like it as much as everything else we've already put in the maybe column. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump it unless Colin gonna come in and be its hero. I, I don't have anything new to say about it. I do like it quite a bit. All right. Uh, it does seem weird to have a top ten romantic comedy without it, though, doesn't it? Yeah. No? It does seem weird, but this I guess this is our list. Well, I gave Billy Crystal two shots at the list, and he missed with both of them. <laughs> Princess Bride. 
<laughs> That's weird. Everyone always forgets he's in that movie. <laughs> so Zach and Mary make a porno. Probably my the, the last romantic comedy I really liked in theaters. Um, and probably I'm gonna say among my favorite of the Kevin Smith movies. But I'm not sure if I like it more than Clerks, but I might. Oh no, I definitely think it's one of his best. I definitely put that up up there, Clerks. I def- I probably say it's his second best movie, personally. Um, but I this, don't know. This is a case of taking two actors that I really like. And letting them just swear a lot and have a lot of fun scenes together. And I don't know, it's 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 an interesting universe where everything is just so disgustingly raunchy and <laughs> pornographic and everyone uses every swear word all the time and people can just be having sex right in front of you and it's not that big a deal. <laughs> Well, that movie is hilarious. It was on a couple nights ago on Comedy Central. It was a little strange watching it on Comedy Central because it's Zach and Marie make a porno, so obviously there was a lot they couldn't show and say. Like, their movie, within the movie, is like swallowing my cockachino, right? But in this, God, I can't remember what the replacement was. It was like, it did, colossal chino. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> That's almost like worse. But I was, I, I, like, I hadn't seen it in a little bit, and it's hilarious. Like, I love the scene where they're doing their scene where he's, like, the milkman or whatever he is. And he's like, what? Like, they're, he's supposed to be acting, but he's like, what's happening? Look at this. And off-camera, like, what's he doing? Is he doing, like, a rumba? Like, doing this terrible move. Um, but as much as I do like this movie, I mean, we're talking about the t- ten greatest romantic comedies between us of all time. I mean, I don't know if Zach and Mary's that good. I, I wouldn't put it on. Alright. That gives us ten, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's easy. We just gotta put them in order somehow. I think Harold and Maude is probably number ten, right? Because John has such a violently negative reaction to it. Okay. Yes. Okay. You can say John has a mildly negative reaction, but don't say violently. Makes John sick like, just thinking of it. Makes him punch the like TV. It. Control yourself, John! It's just said, a movie! I said I liked it. I just, as a romantic comedy, I found it off-putting. Okay? That's all I said. Oh, God. It's hard from here. Uh, I guess the one I gravitate to next is Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's because you guys forgot about it. That doesn't mean that's not good. I probably like Breakfast at Tiffany's more than I like The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Hmm. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know. I think the romance is better. The comedy is certainly not better. 40-Year-Old Virgin is very funny. Favorite scene in that is when they're showing the what's his face, uh, black guy. What's that guy's name? Yeah, I don't know. He's <laughs> got a weird name. And he's like showing the scan of his baby on the TV, and he, Steve Carell comes in. And he's, oh, is this the movie about the babies that are geniuses? 
best scene. Is is this the movie that had the uh, the guy that like went to jail? Oh, for murder, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's an employee in the store. He doesn't have a really big role. It'd be tough <laughs> if he had a big role. He'd be like, ugh. I feel like I, I heard that that guy yeah, I, I can still murdered a cellmate. Yeah, I guess you can still watch it. Yeah. But OJ, no one takes that seriously. For some reason. Oh, yeah, he just murdered Kobe. He did get acquitted. Now he's in prison for stealing his own jersey. It's like a Cinderella story. Yeah, well, this doesn't help us narrow down our list, though. Okay, well, I guess we can put Breakfast at Tiffany's at nine since we pretty much forget about it and we had like five days to like think of all this. Yeah. So that's, that's fair enough. Not getting any easier though from here. Mm. Well, I don't know. Uh, you guys went to Forty-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> it seems like you would, but I, I probably like Forty-Year-Old Virgin better than Bringing Up Baby, honestly. Oh yeah, Bringing Up Baby still on this list. I probably like Breakfast at Tiffany's better than Bringing Up Baby. Actually, uh, yeah, let's switch that. <laughs> I just totally overlooked it. Abby. Yeah. Yeah. But then The Verge. Yeah. I wish you wouldn't give things dick names all the time. I was listening to one of our last podcasts, and there's something it took forever for me to understand what you're saying. We were talking about, for some reason, brothers with Jake Gyllenhaal, and you say Napo, and I'm like, what the hell is Napo? Oh, Natalie Portman. Look, look, we call Scarlet Giants and Scar Joe. Why can't we call Natalie Portman Napo? That's all I'm saying. I don't know how you come up with I mean, Verge, obviously, isn't... Hard, but some of your other ones are kind of confusing, and it always takes me a minute. I don't know how you come up with them so fast. Just Napo. I just wanted to. Bring I watched up. Thor the other day. Had plenty of Napo. It's all bad. Bring me another. Hmm. I'm kind of looking at the apartment right now. Number six spot. Uh, I'm not. That's okay. Right. Look away. Well, well, help me here, guys, because I still don't know that much about It Happened One Night and City Ugh, Lights. It Happened One Night, man. City Lights it's and It Happened One Night are, yeah, about as good as romantic comedies get. Okay, well, now I feel like so, I could say that about all the others as well. Personally... So you got to make some calls here, guys. Seeing all of these films, even though I like all these films a lot, I'd probably put High Fidelity next. Yeah, I probably would, too. As much as I like it. I'm just going to take your word. Just because it's up against some pretty heavy hitters right now. Yeah, doesn't stand a chance. Okay. And then I think next, <laughs> just kind of trying to judge Colin's reaction a little bit, and I kind of see where he's coming from, maybe Groundhog Day. <sighs> that would be my next, yeah. Hey, Sean, <sighs> I often tell people that, yeah, they, when, what's your favorite movie? I go, oh, yeah, Groundhog Day. I'm there with you, man. I'm there with you. But this has got to be... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it just... It feel if it makes this decision makes sense. I think it's a great all around movie, but these other movies, I think the romantic aspect is just so strong that it's kind of hard to rival. If there's one movie I wish I had written, it's Groundhog Day. It's a great idea, and it really does seem like 
modern day kind of like Capra-esque in a way, I think, for some reason. I've always felt that way with the great secondary characters and the unique premise. But it's Harold Ramis. The auteur behind Year One. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> year One. God. Well, now Groundhog Day definitely is in the number five spot. <laughs> just, just for, for Year One. But... Oh, man. Like, what are you doing, Harold Ramis? Looking at Harold Ramis at Wikipedia now. Now he looks like old Seth Rogen. That's why he played his dad. He did in 2009. I know. But why did he look like this? He's got like an afro in this picture. Why did he look like this? Very movie. He's... God, they, I, they can't make another Ghostbusters. You hear the rumor that they're trying to just recast the Bill Murray part? I did, I did. I feel like that doesn't make any sense. That's weird. I mean, Peter Venkman is not going to be the next James Bond. I hate to break it to you guys. That was a one-actor part. (laughs) Basically. It's not like Bruce Banner, where anyone can play Bruce Banner, apparently, and be forgotten for doing it. The Hulk. Yeah, Peter Venkman... Basically, is just Bill Murray being Bill Murray. You said to get someone who's really good at Bill Murray impression. Frank Caliendo, maybe. <laughs> I don't know that he does an impression. He's just talented. I, I just kind of threw up because of what you just said. <laughs> I'm going to have to do the rest of the podcast covered in vomit because of the words you said. Frank Caliendo. Frank Caliendo as Peter Venkman. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious to go to see a movie where a guy's doing an impression of an actor? Like, he's supposed to be the same character. No, I've seen that. I saw The Mask, too. <laughs> Do you know that Bill Murray wasn't the first choice for Groundhog Day? It was Tom Hanks. And you know what? I think that would have worked too. But Bill Murray, they picked Bill Murray because he's a lot meaner. <laughs> Man, that I think they made the right choice, but I think it could have been good both ways. Yeah, Tom Hanks can't be mean. It's not in him. He doesn't have a single mean bone in his body. I don't know why I laughed at that. Okay. Yeah, you've seen Road to Perdition. Yeah. Um, so still, still two movies I haven't seen and two movies I have. So I'm gonna keep deferring to you guys. I don't know, man. I mean, I made a top ten myself, and I th- think it happened one night was number four. On Colin, was yours a four-way tie for number one? No. See, I like It Happened One Night more than The Apartment. I feel you. Yeah. I, I, I could agree with that because I like Groundhog Day more than The Apartment. <laughs> but you like The Apartment quite a bit, Sean. I do like The Apartment quite a bit. It's, it's a movie that leaves an impact on you, I think. I think about that movie all the time. Be a mensch, Sean. Be a mensch. I do really like those neighbors. 
I think as a whole, The Apartment's a more impressive movie from uh, like stylistically and in concept. But I feel like just based on the relationship alone, I like it happened one night more. I mean, it's it's more screwball, but I don't know. I just they. I think the fact that they do click easier makes it more enjoyable for me. I mean, I can also see the argument against that. I'm just saying. I like it happened one night more than City Lights, maybe though. So, maybe it's, it's tough call. What do you What do you like better, Colin? City Lights or having one night? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you said. Yeah, I'd put City Lights slightly above it happened one night. But I, don't, I mean, it happened one night. Fits the bill, like personally for me. What I like about romantic comedies, because it's got you know all that back and forth witty banter, which I love. And of course, City Lights has none of that because it's a silent film. So I would be fine with putting it happened one night over City Lights. Okay. So, do we want to put that next? Well, Sean hasn't put the apartment at number four. I wasn't sure if we were committed to that. I think that's the way things are going. Okay. The apartment number four, City Lights number three? I guess. Sure. This is very anticlimactic number one, then. Yeah, I mean, it had to be Annie Hall the whole way. Everyone it, knew it. It had, to, it had to be you. As the song goes. It had me after 500 Days of Summer because it was the third one on the list. Yeah, I think we all kind of knew this. So it's like doing a sci-fi films and putting Star Wars at number one, you know. It just... Yeah. Another time, then. For another time. <laughs> ah. It's like doing okay. uh, Lord of the Rings films and putting two towers at the top of the list. <laughs> a top three that's exciting hey it'll be a top five in a couple years I guess you could include the cartoon ones oh god oh those are good at least they're okay and there's a whip <laughs> there's a way gentlemen I like uh, I'm not gonna go talk about Ralph Bashy's animated Lord of the Rings right now yeah, I'll say that's a good film I think well I think we've got it you wanna read it off Sean all right, so number 10, Harold and Maude. And number 9, Bring a Baby. 8, Breakfast at Tiffany's. 7, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. 6, High Fidelity. 5, Groundhog Day. 4, The Apartment. 3, City Lights. 2, It Happened One Night. And our number 1 favorite romantic comedy, Annie Hall. Well, I'd like to say we end with a big bang, but sometimes we got to just go out on a whimper. Uh, we've been Top 10 Thursdays. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>